Today is Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. On this day in 1991, 11-year-old J.C. Lee Dugard was kidnapped from a bus stop in Lake Tahoe. She would spend the next 18 years fighting for her life. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Carter Roy of Solved Murders, a new ParCast original. ParCast listeners might recognize Carter from a few shows we host together, as well as Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories. Thanks, Vanessa. I'm thrilled to build on Unsolved Murders with its companion show, Solved Murders, available exclusively on Spotify. Just like in Unsolved Murders, we take you to the scene of the crime and through every step of the investigation. But in this show, justice is always served. And I'm so glad you could join me to cover today's solved crime. Carter will discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story while I'll cover the narrative. Absolutely. Let's get started. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Now, let's delve into the story of J.C. Lee Dugard, who was abducted in front of her home when she was 11 years old. Our story begins on the morning of June 10, 1991, as J.C. walked toward the stop for her school bus. J.C.'s morning was off to a disappointing start. Her mother had promised to give her a kiss goodbye before heading out the door for work, but had seemingly forgotten. J.C. liked seeing her mother in the mornings. The two were close, but more importantly, she had wanted to ask permission for something important. She wanted to shave her legs before an upcoming overnight field trip. All the other girls in school already had smooth legs, and J.C. didn't want to be embarrassed. Now, the question would have to wait. J.C. started up the hill toward her school bus stop. She was walking on the left side of the street, facing traffic, just like her mom had taught her. About halfway up the hill, J.C. noticed a gray car coming around a bend in the road. The car rolled to a stop beside her. J.C. didn't approach the car, but figured the couple inside needed directions. Then, her entire body began to tingle. She lost feeling in her hands. Her knees began to buckle. She fell backwards, tingling but unable to move. Her world started to go black. The last thing she remembers feeling was a pine cone wedged beneath her hands. When JC came to, she was face down on the floor of a car. The woman who'd been riding shotgun now sat on top of JC pinning her to the floor with her legs. A rough voice laughed, I can't believe we got away with it. She slipped in and out of consciousness for two hours until the car finally pulled over in front of a small yellow house on a residential street. Her captors told her to be quiet. JC was led into the house. She kept telling her captors that her parents didn't have money. They wouldn't be able to pay ransom for her, but this didn't seem to phase either captor. The man confiscated her clothes, the all-pink outfit she'd picked out special that morning. 
While undressing, she was able to conceal a small butterfly ring that would provide her a great deal of comfort in the days ahead. The man grabbed a blanket and threw it over JC's head. She'd only seen him for a moment, but she would never forget his black, lifeless eyes or his leathery face, warped from years of cigarette smoke. He led her out the back door and through a grassy yard filled with debris. It crunched under her feet. She heard the rusty doors of a shed creak open. The floor beneath her changed from mud to concrete. Her captor ripped off the blanket and she looked around, her stomach twisting into knots. She was standing in a soundproof shed secured with two padlocked doors. A crude pallet bed had been thrown on the ground. Her captor placed her in fuzzy handcuffs and warned her that there were vicious dogs outside just in case she tried to escape. Then he left, leaving her in darkness. She didn't know it yet, but this would be her home for the next 18 years. J.C. Lee Dugard had been kidnapped by a paroled sex offender, and even though his house would be searched by parole officers 60 times in the coming years, not one of them would ever check the shed. In a moment, the harrowing story of J.C. Lee Dugard's captivity. Now back to the story. On the morning of June 10, 1991, J.C. Lee Dugard's stepfather, Carl Probin, was watching his stepdaughter walk to the morning bus stop through a window in the garage when he noticed a gray car pull up beside the 11-year-old. He watched in horror as J.C. collapsed to the ground, stunned by a taser, and then immediately jumped on a bicycle trying to reach the car. But it zoomed off down the street and soon lost him. He hadn't even gotten close enough to read the license plates. Probin called the police, who were quick to alert the FBI. But they had very little to go on. My guest host, Carter, is here to discuss what followed. Thanks, Vanessa. J.C. was taken to Antioch, California, almost 170 miles outside of Lake Tahoe, she had been abducted by parolee Philip Garrido and his wife, Nancy. Nancy didn't have a criminal record, but her hands were far from clean. In fact, it would later become clear that Nancy had been the one to find J.C. She picked her out specifically for her husband. J.C.'s story of captivity is long and sickening. Her jailer, a convicted rapist and kidnapper, kept her in a soundproof shed in his backyard. He tortured J.C. for almost two decades. She would give birth to his two daughters, one when J.C. was 14 and the other three years later when J.C. was 17. Garrido was addicted to methamphetamines. When high, he would fixate on things for hours at a time. More often than not, J.C. was the object of this attention. He would spend hours dressing her up and doing her makeup like he was taking her on a date. As years passed, Garrido began to lose his mind. His meth-addled brain produced hallucinations of saints and angels. 
he started to wonder whether he was a prophet, which somehow led him to visit the UC Berkeley campus on August 24, 2009. He wanted to inquire about renting a space to hold some kind of religious event. He brought his two daughters along for the trip, and the girls seemed visibly unnerved. Suspicious of his behavior, Lisa Campbell, manager of the UCPD Special Events Unit, played along with Garrido, taking down all of his contact information. Then, the second he left campus, Lisa asked another officer to conduct a background check. The check revealed that Garrido was a convicted sex offender, rapist, and kidnapper. Alarmed, the events manager took it upon herself to call Garrido's parole officer, who had no idea that Garrido had children. It's worth noting that at the time of that call, Garrido's house had been visited or searched 60 times by parole officers, none of whom had checked a large shed in the Garrido's backyard. The neighbors had also called the police on Garrido on more than one occasion, reporting two small children who they believed were living in tents in the backyard. Garrido told the police they were his nieces. Police never so much as called Garrido's brother to confirm. Thankfully, one intuitive woman at UC Berkeley decided she would not be minding her own business and did what Antioch police had failed to do for 18 years. She ignored Garrido's explanation, followed her gut, and demanded a thorough investigation. Two days after she got involved, on August 26, 2009, J.C. Lee Dugard returned home. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again for joining me today, Carter. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Solve Murders, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more harrowing stories of escape from captivity, you can check out another show I host, the podcast original, Hostage. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Today in True Crime for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Aaron Lan, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.